Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. Ephraimites and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Reinbold, and this is the House of Ephraim show today. We do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in this show. It's Mark Reinbold. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in, in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time, that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois out what we call lovingly the corn patch. And you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God. And I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on. And you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material, not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service. And we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity, again, that all is. So, again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that. 
and you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about, and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call, 618-262-2810, and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Decker. What we will eventually do is go back and, and I'll say, okay, you'll have to get all your notes out with touch not the profane defilement, and we will add to that series. Uh, what I'm trying to do is really just touch into these areas and to get you stirred in your spirits and in your minds to the point of saying, I can do this. I, I can, if this is what my problem is, then, then, then I, I can do it. And, and that's, that's what, that's what our goal is. Uh, as I said, there, there are, there are many, many things that we're going to have to get to, but right now what we're trying to do is we're just trying to open this thing up so, so you can participate. So you can get the idea that, hey, you know, uh, I, I'm, I can do it. I want to do it. Give me an idea how to get started, all right? Let's, let's, uh, of course, in, in Exodus 20, and I want you to jump there with me for a second. We're not going to go through all that, but in no means. But, uh, in Exodus 20, we, we begin to find here that the, where the, where this which we call the law. Now, we like to call this the Ten Commandments in Christianity, because you see, that sounds nicer than law. But something about the word law seems to dictate to us that we're going to have to do something or, or you know, the law is you run the stop sign, you get a ticket. Same thing with God's law. You break the law, you pay the penalty. And and when you get enough of it, you say again, we have been under the idea that we've been under the auspice of, 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 of a Messiah, and because we have been, then somehow or other, we can just quickly say, Jesus, forgive me, and all this thing ends. Now, folks, if that was the truth, then you wouldn't be here today. You wouldn't be here because you would have felt like that, bless God, you had gotten yourself to a position where, boy, I've just, uh, everything's fine. And that's the reason last night I want you to see that scripture that you, you know, even, even by saying, Lord God, forgive me, that the problem is that there's still the sin to be paid for. You're forgiven, all right? But you're still now. Now, what does that mean? Forgiven? Then you're you've got yourself lined up to be blessed again. But you're still going to have to. And see, the, the times that the blessings are trying to flow to you, and you're going through this hell because of the sin that you have you have gotten yourself into. And by the time that sin and the mercies of God relinquishes you from that paying that debt, which none of it is ever unto death. You know, the old Pentecostals thought that every time somebody got cancer, they were being punished for their sins. Now, some of you that are, you know what I mean. Uh, again, that was a fear factor, but that didn't work either. See, that didn't bring us in line. The only thing that can bring us in line is the Word of God. So, so you know, here Moses goes up on the mountain. God, with his finger, writes this and edges it upon stone. And bless God, he brings it down. And, and in the 20th chapter, it says, God spake, this is the first verse, all these words saying, I am the Lord thy God, which has brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before thee. Number one commandment. Number one law. You'll have no other gods. 
Now stop for a moment and think about that. What can be a God? Anything that you serve. Anything that you serve. It can be money. America, money is a God. It can be your home. It can be your car. It can be your wife. It can be your husband. It can be your children. It can be your job. Who do you serve? You'll have no other gods before you. He is the Lord our God. Now he goes on to say, Thou shalt make of thee no, uh, any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above and is in the earth beneath or that is in the uh, uh, water or under the earth. And of course we see Jesus and we see the Virgin Mary in most Catholic churches in America, don't we, and around this world. What is that? It's an image. The Lord God said, I am in your heart. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. I am the Lord thy God. And as I have told people all around this world, Jesus Christ was not a white man. Get over it. Get over it. And yet people, you know, I I, I said something just not very long ago about the fact that I'm at horde by the time but people I'm around that's prejudiced. Ministers. Well, brother, I think we all have a place to be. I said, Oh, I don't doubt that. I said, What are you trying to say here, brother? Well, you know, he said, uh, I think that uh, I think the the blacks belong and the whites belong. I said, Oh, you do? I said, I think there's a section in heaven I somewhere earlier. In the Bible, it talks about a section in heaven that you'll have the Chinese over here. Uh, and I said, oh, yeah, there'll be a place just for the Baptists, I'm sure, back over there. So I said, what's wrong with you? I, up until a couple of years ago, and I, I will say this, probably I will um, could very easily minister in North America the rest of my days before we go to Israel. And even up until that time, even even if it is... 10, 15, 20 years down the road. And I, folks, I, that I don't know. We're, we are to prepare ourselves. But what I do know that I will probably at the end of that time still have laid my hands upon more black people than I have white people. Okay? I was accused one time in Evansville, Indiana down here. I had a church down there in the synagogue. And I was accused of not liking black people. Now, they, the, the, this is the Black and Ministerial Alliance. And so I went to see one of them, and I said, i got news for you. I lay more hands on black people in a year's time than I have ever laid on white people. I said, you better think that statement over. But they were going around telling people, don't you go down there where Prophet Deckard is because he don't really like to pray for the black people. Now, folks, there's not white, there's not black, there's not polka dots, and there's not striped in the eyes of God. We are all His children. And thank God we are, right? We are His children. And He wants us. See, I see you and I as representatives of Ephraim. It's kind of like selling insurance. Kind of like... Uh, Bless God being out here and selling cars. That it will, you believe in the product, you can you can present the product. 
once you learn what we're doing here, you, you, you're, you're going to find the brothers and the sisters. And you are going to invite them to come and begin to prepare themselves that we might go home and fulfill the Scripture. We are the ones upon whom the ends are written. No one else, no other generation. It's us. And yet at this time, we look back on these things and we we begin to... And, and then, he, then he goes on the fifth verse says, Thou shalt not bow thyself down to them nor serve them, for I am the Lord thy God. I'm a jealous God. See, he's saying I'm a jealous God. Visiting the iniquity, the sin of the fathers upon the children under the third and fourth generations of them that hate me. There it was in the original law. Now, 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 what do you mean? Well, I don't hate God. If you sin, you are an enemy of God. Now, listen to me. The Scriptures will validate that statement. If you sin, you become an enemy of God. So the only way for you to be and become a, 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 into the fellowship of His children is to what? Become holy. Learn to walk in the holiness. And, and so, so He's saying here, He's saying, look, he said, I'm a jealous God. I'm going to tell you something. The thing I love about God, it's not three strikes and you're out, but it's three strikes and out. Okay? And most of us are going around here with all these spiritual band-aids on our, ourselves from all these ouches, and we don't even know we have them, brothers and sisters. For we know not from whence they have come, but bless God, they are there. I used to say early on in the ministry, I said, really all I do is we bring them in and put a spiritual band-aid on them and send them out the door because you couldn't seem to hold them still long enough to teach them anything, even as young as I was and as little as I had to teach at that time. Now, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Now, what's the key? You may sin, but he's going to show mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep his commandments. So, now, now, where have we started with you? You have got to learn to keep the commandments. You've got to learn to keep Shabbat. You've got to learn to keep Rosh Hashanah, New Moon. You've got to learn to keep the things that God commanded with the festivals. That you've got to do. You do that, then you can expect to have mercy. And when you get when you sin, you say, "Lord God, have mercy upon me." Isn't that what David did? You know why David did that? Because David fulfilled this. Please understand what I'm saying. David fulfilled that so he could say, God, and read, read his writing, God have mercy upon me. And that's when you and I can stand before the Lord God, because why? He's no respecter of person. Somebody say amen. Now he says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Now I, I, I did how many hours about prophets and prophecies Getting you to understand what taking God's name in vain is saying that God said something and God didn't say it. He said, I'm not going to hold these people guiltless. They're not going to be guiltless. And, and, and folks, that, that is rampant in the land today. If you, you see, it's not enough today to be a Christian filled with a rahakadish. You've got to hear God say something. You've got to have God show you something so you can stand out among the brethren. Come on. That's what's going on. And God said, I will not hold him guiltless that takes my name in vain, that says I did or I said something when I didn't say it. Oh. 
It's going to be a sad day of crying and gnashing of teeth. But did I not prophesy in thy name? Did I not do any great works in thy name? Sad. Then he goes on down here to, to the place that just absolutely, now I've got to be real careful the way I think, absolutely just uh, uh, aggravates. Boy, there's a nice word. Thank you, Lord. Aggravates the church. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. I always said that people said, well, I believe in the Ten Commandments. I said, no, you don't. You believe in nine of them, maybe. But we keep Sunday Sabbath. I said, there is no Sunday Sabbath. Never has been. Never will be. And most people that keep a, say they keep a Sunday Sabbath don't keep it anyway because you, you don't buy and you don't sell on Sabbath. You do no several work. There's to be a holy convocation, a meeting. And yet somehow we come up with a Sunday church. And I, I told you all back when we did the back and get it off the sale of the CD. It was because of, of bless God, uh, uh, Constantine's mother. She didn't like the Jews, hated them. So she decided we'd have a Sabbath, a Christian Sabbath. We call it Sunday. It doesn't count because it wasn't a prophet or a prophetess. It doesn't count because, bless God, God's not changing his mind for some witch that's the mother of an a emperor of Rome. That doesn't work that way. But yet that's what happened. Now here's the church. It's like a bunch of ducks. We'll follow you anyway. Come up with something. Oh, yeah, let's vote. That sounds good to me. Well, see, this stuff doesn't have to sound good. It's just already put in the book, and it's for everybody. So, again, I, I like what the rabbi said to me. So, what is it that you believe as a Christian? And you know what I did? I don't know. I'm talking about the overall church. I don't know. We believe so many things, like I was talking about this morning. You just sort of pick and choose and... No, that's too hard, and no, they got to go through this. they got to dress. I don't want to dress that way, and I don't want to speak in them stupid-looking tongues, and anybody know that I'd know gibberish and all. And, and the rabbis are right. We don't know what we believe. We know what we chose, but we don't even know. And see, most of us never sit down. See, I'm appalled at the fact that, that the people are so gullible that they just believe whatever they're told. They just believe it. And I, you've heard me say, don't you take my word for nothing. You get in that book and you study it for yourselves. You know for yourself about this thing. I could be wrong, but that book is the truth. And you use it for the final authority of your life. Because that's what's going to get you through this thing. So, so again, he goes to the Sabbath, and of course he talks about the Sabbath and how to keep it and what to do, and, and bless God, the, all the stuff that you're supposed to do. And, and, uh, and he said... And the last, the last part of the 11th verse, he said, Lord, bless the Sabbath day and hallowed it. What does that mean? He made it holy unto himself. Now listen, and you touch into that holy thing and defile it. That's the reason, that's the reason, and maybe the biggest of the reasons why Christianity became a flop. Other than the salvation plan that Yeshua brought, which is everything for eternal life. The infilma of the Rahakadish, which he gave unto us, which is the power invested within us here on this earth through his name. But other than that, Christianity became a shamble because we defiled the holy, hallowed day of God Almighty himself, and we decided somehow that it would be okay that we did that. 
and nobody even knows how it happened. Well, I'm I'm sorry, we're not under the law, and we don't. I said, no, wait a minute, you just told me you believe in the Ten Commandments. You just told me you believe in the Ten Commandments. Well, uh, well, yeah, well, yeah, thou shalt not kill. Well, yeah, yeah, well. Uh -huh. Now wait a minute, if you're not going to keep one point out of the law, what you should get, you're, you've broken all of them. That's what the scripture says. So it's not going to do, see, and, and, and that's where it catches the Sabbath keepers, the Seventh-day Adventists and that group. What catches them is they keep Sabbath. They keep that point, but then they break all the rest of the points of the law. Well, that, that's not going to do them much good at all. That's going to do some good because there's blessings in keeping the commandments of God. But bless God again, folks, it takes all of this thing working together like a machine in order for it to bless and make a difference in your life where people can begin to see the blessing. That's what we want for you. Okay? That's what this prophet, this prophet, that's what I, I want people coming to you and saying, hey, what makes you different from the rest of us? Because I'm going to tell you something. We are different being children of God. Now listen, the world, all of those around about Israel that was trying to destroy Israel during this, during this time, it's written in the Tanakh, they never feared little Israel. They were the least of all the people on the face of this earth, thus saith the Lord. They feared this God that Israel worshipped. And as long as Israel kept to the law, the things that God said to keep, they knew there was nothing nor nobody that could destroy little Israel, no matter how large the army might have been. It was the God of Israel that they, that they feared. You see, today, we, we, we're almost in a position, well, uh, fear of the Baptists, fear of the Methodists, fear of the Pentecostals, fear of the Charismatics, fear now the, you know, the, the Messianics and all the rest that I didn't mention. And that's not at all, not at all, what God had in mind here. Now, 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 as he, as he come on down through here, he, he began to talk about to honor thy father and thy mother, that the days may be long on the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Now, I'm going to tell you something. It does not say it's okay not to honor your father and mother because they did you wrong. No, no. You are to, you want to live long long on this earth? You honor them. You defile that, and you will die before your time. Mark it down, folks. Listen to what this prophet's telling you, because I'm telling you the truth. There's a lot of good Christian people died long before their time because they did not honor their fathers and their mothers. I don't care if they're drug addicts, drunks, a they abuse you as a child. You are to honor them. As your father and your mother, all right? Thou shalt not kill. Well, everybody knows that one, prophet. Well, sure they do. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, that's something rampant in the world. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Uh-oh. What is bearing false witness about thy neighbor? Someone discord? Yeah. Again, see, you, you've got no right to have an opinion about whether or not whether or not you were, what you were told is right or wrong. Now, let, let me tell you an easy way that you can define this and put this under your hat, as they say, and, and put it on your, your papers to keep it. You don't know 
the truth of any situation unless you were there. Number one. Rule number one is a counselor. You're going to hear two sides of the story. You're going to hear that side, and then you're going to hear that side. And all you can do is listen to those sides. Now, if God lets you supernaturally judge that, and I will say this, that probably nothing other than major prophets could ever touch that area. And I have had to touch that area two or three times in my ministry. You hear me? Over 33 years, two or three times. The fact of the matter is, because you weren't there, you are of no opinion. Well, it sounded like, I don't care what it sounded like. That doesn't make it truth. Let everything be a lie except what? The Word of God. So no matter what accusation comes, no matter what kind of a witness comes to you, then bless God, I'm receive no false, no false witnesses. Because you don't know who the truth is and who the truth isn't. Well, I know what the evidence is. Hey, the evidence can be tampered with. The evidence can be lied about. I've had people come to me and I said, hey, I, I, you know, I take the same stance that Yeshua did. You think, you judge, and you do. I'm not going to defend myself. I don't have to defend myself over anything or about anything. God will be my judge. You let God be your judge. But don't you get yourself, and, and, and this is where a lot of people get to be. They don't understand, they don't understand what discord is all about. They don't understand what uh, sowing discord is. They don't know what's God getting into this stuff and beginning to get to where you're telling these tales and, and you're getting in the middle of it and then you don't know how to get out of it. Just don't start it. Everybody has an opinion. And that's what's wrong with us today, in, especially in America. We all have an opinion. What about the Baptists? Well, I love them, brother, but they just don't think. What about the Methodists? Oh, well, I love them, brother. What about your neighbor? Well, I love But, careful, right? The prophets are coming to the forefront. And we are going to rip and we're going to tear and we're going to do what has to be done to bring everything in line to get this thing over with because it didn't work the other way. And the reason it didn't, folks, is the fact they couldn't teach these depths. You have to have lived. You, you, you know, we were talking, we were talking about ministry, and I the other day, and I, and I, I made these statements. I said that the thing about ministry is that somehow, when we get to that point where we're ready to go out into the ministry, the same thing types of things happen there that happen here. I said I had a two-year program that usually took, you know, three, four, sometimes five years to get through. And people used to say, well, why does it take, if it's a two-year program, why don't it just take two years? I said, well, it just takes as long as it takes. You know, I mean, have you ever had anybody get through in two years? No. Well, why don't you call it a three- or four-year program? Because it's a two-year program. God told me it was a two-year program. Now, that's what it is, all right? It just somehow takes some of you five years to get through it. I, I don't know. But, on that journey, there is more to ministry than this. There's more to ministry than, bless God, hearing the voice of God. There's more to ministry than, bless God, having a vision or having a dream. Do you know where the first part that I keep telling these young preachers where their ministry is at? It's called at home. And if you can't get your wife and your family into position, you're never going to make it in this camp. Because that's where it starts. 
And if it ain't going to be there, it's never going to get the other one. Why? Because, again, you have to prove your ministry. You, you remember me telling the story about how the woman prophesied that, that I was supposed to go around the world and I only have one scripture I can even think of in John 3.16? But I was ready to go. Dear God in heaven, I have, a, I have a rise. I didn't even know how to spell it. But boy, I wanted to go. My family was a mess. We weren't welcome to the world. I say, do you know where it has to start first? It has to start in the preacher first. Do you know what the first five to seven years of a young preacher's life behind that beam is about? Preaching to himself. You're hearing him preach about all his sins. Hoping you don't realize that's who he's preaching at. You say, well, I didn't know that. You do now, don't you? How do you know that? I brought up too many preachers and I've become up myself. I went home and repented more than anybody in the congregation repented for the first seven years of my ministry. I'd preach a message and I'd go, dear God in heaven, it's me. They'd say, well, why is he, well, you got to put you down your face to You're interceding for us. I said, no, no. I'm asking forgiveness for myself. He said, well, I didn't know it was like that. Sure, it's like that. The old man said, you know, Brother Deckard, that, that, to have 75 years of experience, you got to have 75 years. And, 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 and now in the third world, they give great respect to gray hair. Okay? In America, they don't give respect to nothing or nobody. I got these young punk ministers come up that's 10 years in the ministry trying to tell me after 33 years of this hell that they know what they're talking about, and they don't. After they've been in 33 years, come talk to me. Until then, shut up, sit down, learn something. That's all I've got to say to any of them. Because I've been there. I know what that's all about. I said, well, wait till they hide you away in an airport one night and you're, you're laying there knowing that if they find you there, you're going you're, you're to be dead. Trying to get you out of a country that wants to kill you. Try to know they're chasing you from village to village with machine guns. One village you go in, they've already been there. The next village you go in, after you preach, they come in to looking for you. And God keep you out in front of them or behind them the whole time. Wait, you got to eat rat, dog, and cat. Huh? And a handful of rice weeks at a time because you're in the jungles of Mindanao. Now and then come to me and tell me you know what and God said what to you. Do you think that moves me? Not one iota. You come live with a real prophet and you find out what this thing's all about. Then you'll understand why I said this is a curse. It's not a blessing what I carry. And I've watched God bring the dead up off the earth. It's all because I learned to live the Word of God and I refuse to defile Him. Even with you, I would refuse to defile Him. I'm not, I'm not in for a popularity contest. Probably wouldn't do bad in a beauty contest, though. It's about the Word. I learned something. The angel said, Defile not God! I said, well, I'm not. He said, yeah, you are. Every time you open your mouth, you can't make a day without defiling God. And then I fought the thing, and I fought the thing, and I fought the thing for years. And you heard me tell the story how I put a piece of, of, of duct tape across my mouth and wore it for 24 hours so I could at least say one day I went and I didn't defile God's 
word with my mouth. Proud of myself. The angel shows up one night about 2 o'clock in the morning. The angel said, Quit defiling God with your mind! I said, I can't put duct tape over my mind. See where I'm coming? Yeshua said, even if you look upon them and think to lust after them, you've already committed adultery. Folks, this thing goes on. We're just touching the very, the very tip of this thing. He said, I don't think I can do this. Look at me. I did it, and I still do it today. But it became my life. Well, yeah, well, you're the prophet, and you just, no, I don't care. Prophet or pauper, or bless God, shoemaker. Candlestick maker would have sounded better. You can do this thing. This says God's no respecter of persons. What God is a respecter of, those that will get into this thing and live it and understand that. And, 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 and you know, then he comes down through this thing about that it's not steal and bear false witness. The seventy first thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife or the manservant or the maidservant, the ox. Or, you know what that's really getting down to? The Smiths have got a brand new boat. They don't have a shower in their boat, do they? Well, buy me a boat with a shower in it. Smith's came over. <laughs> I showed them what a real boat is. Ours got a shower in it. What is that? Covering. Find out these competing with each other. Preachers compete against each other. That's what most of the ministry is today, that I'm trying to outcompete this one and they're trying to outcompete me and, and bless God, we're in a competition. It's like a basketball game, which nobody ever wins. Why? Because we're defiling. You can't do one thing about the anointing that's in your life except develop it. I can't do anything. I spent the first ten years of my ministry apologizing to pastors because the blind saw and the lame walked in my meetings. Because the jealousy came up in them. I was ministering one night, and bless God, everybody just went, oh. God, what, what, what happened? What happened? God said, the pastor's praying against you back there, sitting in that chair. What was he praying against me about? Because he doesn't want to see anybody get healed or any miracles come. Because the people put their eyes on you and on, instead of on him. I said, well, they're supposed to have their eyes on you. And he said, that's the problem. He said, there's ministry like that? Folks, you don't have any idea in this world what's out there in the way of ministry. It's like I said, a lot of you people are carrying a lot of familiar spirits that you don't, wouldn't have had to carry if you hadn't been in some lame church with people laying hands on you that blessed God that had more problems than you ever dreamed about having that transferred them to you and now you've got them and most of you have lived years with them at this point. Well, I didn't know that. I know you didn't know that. Yet every time somebody wanted to lay hands, there you were up in the line. You've got to be careful. Their sin will become your sin. Okay? 
Now, and of course, it goes down through all this, and and I'm going to tell you what. Uh, uh, he goes on and says something here that I think is is really neat in the 20th verse. And Moses said unto the people, "Fear not, for God is come to what to prove you, and that His fear may be uh, before your faces, and you sin not." Now, why is He proving you? He wants you to sin not. See, He was talking to them about. That, that, that they couldn't sin. Now, now, now here again is where the church come into this thing, and the church said, "Well, you know, here, here's here's what the problem is that that, that they once a year they had to wait, and and bless God, you know, at, at that hour, uh, bless God, uh, at, at Passover, they they slew the lamb. It was sprinkled upon the mercy seat in the holy of holies, and bless God, then the sins of Israel, each of their the sins of the people were then forgiven." But now that Jesus has come, now we don't have to worry about that because, you know, he's there and we can run and get everything. Now, that's the neat thing about the dispensation of the kingdom of grace is the fact that, yes, Yeshua came, and, and, and what we have now, we don't have to wait. Now, listen to me closely because this is important. We don't now have to wait a year in order to have our sins remitted. You can go now personally... You don't have to have the priest or the prophet. You can go to the end of the throne room and say, Lord God, forgive me my sin in the name of your Holy Son, Yeshua, and that sin will be forgiven you. All right? Now, now the important thing is that that, that doesn't mean, that, and, and somehow, like I said, there, there is a sect of Christianity out here who believes that once they were saved, they can no longer sin. They actually believe that. They believe, well, no, I, you know, that's all been washed away. And, you know, as a Jew, I'm going, boy, you, I, I just wish some of you could read Hebrew. That, that, that you could understand and go back and, and get, get into the thing. And, oh, that's not what that says. My Lord and my God, brothers and sisters. But then you've got to cross that up with when Paul says, I sin daily. And yet they're saying they can't sin. Now, somebody's wrong. And, and, and then let me tell you what's worse about all that is. Why do you halt between two opinions? If God be God, serve Him. Why do you halt between... There's only one opinion. And, and that's what I'm trying to convey this morning to you is what we have done within Christianity, we have created other opinions other than God Himself. And that's what has got us in trouble with God. Because we think we can go out here and, and the, the biggest culprit that's within Christianity today is a judgmental spirit. The second one is the sowing of discord among the brethren. Okay? Now, does the church think, no, no, that's just what you do. This is just what you do but yet you are to have no railing accusation against an elder. If you think there's a problem, what are you supposed to do? You're not supposed to run out there and start getting people on your side. You need to go straight to the ministry, and you need to say to them exactly what's going on, and then you let it be done with whatever needs to be done. Then if it says it doesn't work, then you're to take two or three witnesses with you, and you're to go back. But you're not to bring everybody else into sin with you so you can prove what? Who wins in that deal? Nobody. 
Because when discord is sown, then it drives a wedge or causes a gap to come between the relationship of that, and if it's a minister, between that minister and his congregation. God's never going to bless that. And let me tell you why. We are anointed from the foundations of this earth to do certain things for God throughout our lifetime on this earth. The Lord God give us 70 plus years to get that done. Now you, nor me, nor anyone else is in charge of taking control and stopping anybody that's called a God to com from completing what they're set here on this earth to do. And if you think you put your hand to that and stop that, I've got news for you. I'll see you on the other side of that burning lake and wave that day. You keep your nose and you keep your mouth out of it. God will take care of it. You want to know why? God has set within every anointing very pacific and solemn things, holy things. He advised us and guided us unto the point that we stand or we sit here this day. There are certain things that God has set that He wants out of this prophet. If you hinder that, then you have touched the glory of God. This isn't me. This is God. That isn't you. It's God. You let God. On that day that we stand before the Lord God, then we will be judged. That's the only time. But yet, bless God, we all have, we like to still call judgment, we have opinions. That's called judgment. And if I can, if, if I can this weekend stop those two things in your life, or get you where you want to stop them, I can't stop them. Get you where you'll stop those two things in your life this weekend, you're going to have a real leg up on this thing. How are you going to stop it? Get out your book, and every time you open your mouth and you judge something, you write down what you judged. Well, I'm not watching that TV pro Write it down. You just judged it. And I've always said for years, most of the problem is that is that, that, that tube setting up there called a TV. Well, I don't like this. Click. I don't like that. Click. Well, you're judging. Well, you, what's wrong with that? Nothing with that, but what happens is that carries over into your, your spiritual walk. Then it's too, too easy and too quick. Well, I, I don't like this or I don't like that. And I have people, you know, email me and say, you know, Brother Deckard, I, I believe that, that you're a prophet and you'd be a great prophet if you'd just do this or you'd just do that. Well, that's your opinion, your judgment. Judge not, least you be judged. That's called defilement. That's going to hold back the blessings of God from you. I don't care how spiritual you are. I don't care how many times a day, bless God, you stand on your head, turn in uh, circles in a corner and whistle Dixie. That is not going to get the blessings of God to fall down upon you. It doesn't work that way. If it did, then we could be out here doing a lot of things other than what we're doing here this weekend, right? Amen. Now, I, I, I want to go now to, uh, if you will, uh, to uh, Deuteronomy 30. Now, some of these are coming up here. Uh, I know we have touched and looked into, but it's important that we we go back for just a few minutes anyway and touch it. And, and here in the 19th verse, one of my favorite scriptures, Deuteronomy 30:19. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. That's strong stuff. In Hebrew, it's even stronger. That I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. Now, what do we talk about three and four generations above us? Choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. 
But he said, I, he said, I, he said, I have recorded this day against you. He said, I, this is recorded against us. So there's not going to be any getting in front of God and saying, well, I didn't know that, or I didn't know, Lord, I didn't understand that. There's not going to be any of that. He said, I have put before you blessings and cursings. You choose. And that's the thing that I just don't understand about God. Boy, if he just had to put that you choose part in there. If he just put in there, this is what you're going to do, boys and girls. You know what? We'd all just be doing it. But no, no, he wanted to give us a chance to mess up. He wanted to see. 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 Deuteronomy 4. Deuteronomy 4. Deuteronomy 4.23 Take heed in yourselves, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which He made with you and, and made you a graven, uh, and make you a graven image or the likeness of anything which the Lord thy God has forbidden thee. For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. There it is again. When thou shalt begat children and children's children, and ye shall have Remain long on the land and shall corrupt yourselves and make a graven image or the, anything like unto it or anything. And it shall do evil in the sight of the Lord thy God to provoke him to anger. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day, relatively what we just read, that ye shall soon utterly perish from off the land whereinto ye go over Jordan to possess it. Ye shall not prolong your days upon it, but shall surely, uh, uh, shall surely be destroyed and the Lord shall scatter you among the nations, and ye shall be uh, left few in number among the heathen, whether the Lord shall lead you. Now, uh, the thing is, that happened, and this is talking about Ephraim, okay? And so, you, you know, the thing that I, I always tell, especially young ministry, you want to be real careful here, because what you've got to understand is, once you get in, doesn't mean you stay in. See, there's something about us that believes that once we touch the end of this thing, the blessings start coming, they're just all, no, they're not. See, he says after you've been there and after all this has happened, if you forget, that's the reason I keep saying, unless you're willing to make this a life-changing event for you, it, it, it just isn't going to work. It, 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 it can't work. Now, when he goes on, when he goes on here, he said in 28, and, and there you shall serve gods, the work of men's hands, a work of stone, which neither see, nor hear, nor eat, nor smell. But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him, if thou shalt seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Now, we got scattered to the four corners of the earth. Neither to be known by the tongue that we speak or the color of our skin that set the mouth of God, because we sinned. We tried to change the times and, and the seasons uh, of, the, of the festivals. We appointed our own priests in the northern kingdom called the house of Israel, the house of Ephraim, the house of Joseph. And now uh, the Lord God said, However, listen to me closely, you have sought the Lord thy God, and you have found Him. Most of you in this room, along with myself, have said for years, there's got to be more than this. It just isn't enough to go whip in on Sunday morning and Say three amens, jump up and down, and scream, speak in tongues, and fall on the floor. It just it, there's got to be more than this. 
and yet we couldn't find it. We searched. We looked. But the Lord God said, He said, If you will seek Me, you will find Me, if you'll do it with all thy heart and with all thy soul. And when thou art in tribulation, all these things come upon thee, even in the latter days. That's this day. If thou turn to the Lord thy God and shall be obedient unto His voice, under the commandment, for the Lord thy God is a merciful God. He will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor to forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he swore unto them. Now, what we're really doing here is we are now going back and saying, Lord, we have forgotten the covenant of our fathers. And now we have read. Remember, you remember, remember when, uh, bless God, and I, maybe I'm probably going to get into this. Got to be careful here. Uh, uh, I no, let me, let me just go on. I don't want to use that because I'm going to come to it. Uh, Deuteronomy 7. Deuteronomy 7. Sixth verse. It says, for, for thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. What makes us holy? Because we are His. The Lord thy God has chosen thee to be a special people unto Him above all people that are upon the face of this earth. Say, I am above all people. Boy, that don't sound... that. Well, I've got to be careful. No, you don't. That's what God said. See, you know, I used to say we're not the back of the bus, we're the front of the bus. You don't have to be sick. You don't have to be blind. You don't have to be diseased. You don't have to be lame. Chose poorly. But you don't have to be that way. The fact of it is, He made us above all the peoples on the face. We are special in the eyes of God, and God watches over us. Remember when last night I went through the thing about about 2008 and the prophecy and all the stuff of, you know that I prophesied all the years ago and talked about or some of them not all of them but only but do you remember when I said that I watched this angel lifted the angels from the four corners of America and said that his divine protection would be no longer upon America and that's when the 911 thing happened after that did it ever happen before no what did it happen in sin we forgot the covenant of our fathers. We forgot the covenant of our fathers. And because we forgot the covenant of our fathers, uh, the, 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 but you see, once you reestablish that, then things do what? Then things begin to do what? Begins to change. Now, 7th verse, The Lord did not set His love upon you and choose you because ye were more in number than any people, for ye were the fewest of all people. And because the Lord loved you and because He would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, which the Lord uh, brought you out of with a mighty hand, redeemed you out of the house of the bondmen from the, the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth the covenant and mercy to them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. And you know, then you heard me do the thing on, on, the, on the covenant, the everlasting covenant, that was just exactly that. I mean, folks, Please, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. You don't have to be a theologian to understand that 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 piece of scripture there should put to bed all this baloney that goes on with Paul's head that we're not under the law anymore. Number one, you don't understand what Paul said, and but let me tell you something: the fact of the matter of it is that we are in charge of this thing. When you begin to realize 
but bless God, a thousand generations. Like I said, it's, what's the deal? We haven't reached a thousand generations. We haven't, you know, the, the whole thing, you know, I think right now they're going back to 6,000 some years or whatever it is. That's a long way from 40,000 years. You say, is it going to go that long? No, no. He just put that number there to let you understand that it's never ending, everlasting. Not going to cease as long as man's on this earth. Now, and, and he repayeth them that hate him to his face to destroy them. He will not be slack to him that hateth him. He will repay him to his face. Now, who hates him? Those that sin. Thou shalt therefore keep the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which I command thee this day and to do them. Now, you know, the one thing that, the one thing that somehow when people read this thing about those that hate him, we think it's that bunch of heathens out there that aren't saved. Well, yes, yes it is. But it's also those that do what? That don't keep the covenant. Now, I'm going to say something here and it's going to get a little sticky, so hang on to your chair. If you don't keep the covenant, does that mean you're not going to heaven? No. You're going to go to heaven. You've received Yeshua. But the problem of it is between you and the Father, if you don't keep the commandments, then he, then you see the blessings upon you are going to be no different than the blessings that are on those heathens out there. You say, well, there aren't any blessings on the heathens out there. That's my point. See, God, it, people, he's a loving God, but the thing that God can't do, he cannot defile himself. He didn't change the rules. Uh, you know, I've said for years now, he's got one people, and he's got one set of rules, and there's one God, okay, for everybody. And somehow we have tried to get this thing because we're now Christians, that he's got a separate set of rules for us because we're New Covenant saints. No, we're not. No, we're they're, they're only, the only New Covenant he ever made that I keep telling you over and over again when he come out of the box and wrote his laws upon the hearts and the minds of his people, the ten tribe, the twelve tribes. Okay? That was the only new covenant you're going to find in the book. Now, he's the New Testament in the blood. Again, like I said, most people don't even discern that properly and understand that properly, but he is, okay? Now, 12 verse. Wherefore, it shall come to pass, if ye hearken to these judgments, and keep, and do them, that the Lord your God shall keep unto the, thee the covenant, that the mercy which he swore unto thy fathers. And he will love thee, and bless thee, and multiply thee. He will also bless the fruit of thy womb, and the fruit of thy land, the corn, the wine, and thine oil, and the increase of thy kin, and the flocks, and the sheep, and the land, that swear unto thy fathers to give, give thee. Thou shalt be blessed above all people. There shall not be made a female barren among you or among your cattle. Now, isn't that something? I always get such a, a, a kick out of taking people with me to the third world that would not have ever been with me before. I get into the third world and we have the crusades and inevitably it's a, it's a great shame for a woman in Africa not to be able to bear children. She was shamed, in fact, put outside, put out, just shunned. I shouldn't say shamed and shunned. I mean, actually just pushed aside, and, and inevitably there'd be 10, 15, 20 women would come my service and say, Prophet, I want a baby. I can't have children. Through the interpreter. I said, oh, next year at this time, you will bring the child to be blessed. 
lay my hands upon them, and the next year, here comes the women and the children. And and the, the thing that I got such a kick out of was that somebody go with me, okay? And and the interpreter would say, prophet, prophet, uh, the, the woman brings you your baby. <laughs> oh, oh. Hey, get your mind out of the gutter. Why can, why, why, why can that be? Because, you see, the anointing destroys the yoke. And the anointing that God put within me can destroy the yoke and could cause, uh, and cause those people that are barren. See, the blessing is that they will all produce children. They will all produce children. And so, therefore, I can break that and the children come forth. And then, then through proper teaching, you know, that, that, bless God, they can pass that down from the generations into the generations in which, uh, in which they, they, they have produced. Now, uh, let's see, uh, 15 verse, and the Lord will take away from thee all sickness. What? No. Wait, did I read that right? And the Lord will take away from thee all sickness. Now, prophet, are you telling me that if we'll learn not that the file will not be sick? Bingo! Under the B6. He just won the bingo. Right. You'll not be sick. There'll be no sick among your family. I have given you, I have given you the blessing of the prophet to protect you and your family from this coming plague of the bird flu. For the death angel to pass over you. Only a prophet of God can do these things. Only, only a prophet. As I told you, in the middle of that plague, I will stay the plague when God tells me to. It will stop. And it will astonish the world that it has stopped, by the way. That's the way, if you can't contact me, you'll know. When that day comes, I will stop it. What are you saying, prophet? I'm saying that the very essence of the survival of Ephraim lies within the prophets. Hey, thank you again so much. That's Prophet Tom Deckard, Mount Carmel, Illinois. Cradle of Hope Ministries. Again, you can get more information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. Get out there, do yourself a favor, find out what's going on here, and you won't be disappointed. So, again, you can also get more. All the tape series is out there on the website for you to get a hold of. I greatly encourage you to get all that. You can also email your prayer request to cradle at jewishprophet.com, and we'll be praying for your prayer request. Again, that's cradle at jewishprophet.com. Shalom. Until next week, remember, with God, all things are possible. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.